You may be seated at this time. The children can head to the back to go to Children's Church. Thank you very much, Brother Shane and the praise team. And let me say again, good morning. It is good to see you. It is good to be here in person, as I said or alluded to. I have I've been able to watch for the last few weeks uh, via Facebook Live, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we have that tool that we can use um, on weeks like two weeks ago whenever I had COVID, uh, on a week like last week whenever we had a new baby girl. You'll see I'm wearing my pink shirt today representing Team Girl, and she and Amanda are doing well. Thank you so much to all of you that have checked on us, offered to help in many different ways, prayed for us. We're thankful for that. Um, but as great of a tool is, as Facebook is and being able to watch, it's not the same. And so I'm thankful to be back here, to be able to hear all of your voices, to see your smiling faces, to be in this room with you to worship corporately. So if you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, I'm very thankful for uh, the opportunity to serve at a church where there I am not the only person that's able to teach the Bible, um, that we have many, many gifted teachers, and not only that can teach in small group settings and Sunday school classes, but I'm thankful for brothers and sisters that are able to share their testimony uh, well and to articulate what the Lord's done in their life. I'm thankful for brothers that are able to preach the Word. I'm thankful for Brother Seth. I'm thankful for Brother Nick, uh, who have the last few weeks uh, preached to you the Word of God and done a very good job of that. For Brother Don and his willingness to step in and lead the Lord's Supper, um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful the Lord has gifted the body with everything that it needs. And we've seen a testimony of that this month. But this week we're going to jump back into our relationship series. You may have forgotten that's where we were several weeks ago before all of these things took place. But, but we're going through this series where we're looking to see what the Word of God says to us about different relationships that we're in. Uh, if you'll look, and I'll try to remind you this at the end, but on the tables at the back, if you didn't see it on the way in, there's a, a bookmark that we've made that, that maps out this series for you. You can grab one of those, and you'll know each week what we're going to be looking at, what our text for that week is, kind of what the main relationship we're looking at is. I pray that you would take one of those. Uh, and that you would read through that text during the week, that you'd be more prepared whenever you come here on Sunday morning to hear uh, from the Word of God. And there are some instructions and things on the back of that uh, that can help guide you in your week of preparation as well. But many of you that are here today are in this position of being either a husband or a wife, which is what Paul is going to address in today's text. Some of you are not. Some of you may be here one day. Some of you are getting prepared for being a husband or a wife. And some of you have the distinct opportunity to try and teach younger people what it looks like to be a biblical husband or a biblical wife. And so this text is fitting for all of us. And we're also going to see a lot about our relationship to our groom we as the church are the bride of Christ, and so we're going to be reminded of what our relationship with him is supposed to look like and why it's supposed to look like that. So there's a lot to look at here, but as we see this, I just want us to start out with this thought in mind, because there are some things here that whenever we look at them from a worldly point of view, 
When we look at them from a sinful point of view, when we look at them from a selfish point of view, we can immediately try and push back on them. Wives are going to be called to submit to their husbands, and some of you already don't like the sound of that. Husbands are going to, to be called to sacrificially give up things to love their wives well, and some of you already don't like the sound of that. But this is where I want us to start with this understanding. This is not what Zach Kilpatrick thinks marriage should look like. This is not what Paul's plan for marriage was. This is God's plan for marriage. This is the plan that God himself laid out for the perfect marriage. This is what it would look like if you or I had a perfect marriage. We would fulfill all the things that we see here. So don't push back against these things, but embrace these things. Run towards them. Say, I want to do that, and I want to do that better than I'm doing right now. Best I can tell, there, there are a couple of different pieces to this puzzle. And so here's how I want us to attack this this morning. This is how I want us to look at it. First thing I want us to see is the overarching plan. I want you to see what, what the big picture of marriage is supposed to look like. And then after we see the, the big picture, we're going to break it down into the smaller parts. And we're going to see the role of the husband. And we're going to see the role of the wife. That's not the order that Paul writes it in. But for our purposes and knowing our context and knowing some of the pushback that immediately comes from a wife being called to submit to her husband, I want us to look at the role of a husband first. Just for our context, I want us to do that. But so the first thing that we need to see is the big overall picture. So I'm going to read all this text for us, verses 22 through 33. If you would read it with me. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. All right, before we get into this together, if y'all would pray with me this morning. Lord, you are so good to us, and we see reminders of that all throughout this text. Lord, as we prepare our hearts this morning, myself as a husband, many brothers here being husbands, many preparing for that day when they will be husbands, Lord, there's work that we need to do. And Lord, I pray that you would help our hearts to be prepared to hear this. Our minds to be focused and sharp on this for just a little while, Father, that we would be prepared to hear what you have for us. Lord, there are many sisters here that are wives or that will be wives or that are training women to be wives. And Lord, there's work to do. And I pray that you would help them to be prepared, their minds to be focused and sharp to hear what you have from your word. Father, because your word is perfect. 
for everything that we need to know. So help us to understand and to learn these things better, that we would be better husbands and wives, and that we would be more in awe of the God that you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so this, this is a picture that I pray that we are intimately acquainted with, especially the overarching picture of it. Um, look with me at the first three verses where we see, and I want you to pay attention here, not necessarily for the role of the wife, but as we read these verses this time, think about the role that we as members of the church have towards Christ, what our relationship with him is. Hear that in these verses. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So here, Paul is laying out for us the overarching picture the, the, the perfect example is Christ's relationship to us. He tells us the first thing he says about it there in verse 23 is that Christ is the head of the church. Now, what exactly does he mean by Christ is the head of the church? Christ is the leader of the church. Christ is the director of the church. The word that we most often use is Christ is Lord of the church, right? He is the one that is most Preeminent. He is the one that we look to. He is the one that we listen to. He is the one that is in charge. Sometimes some of you would be mistaken about this. If somebody came to you and said, well, well who's the head of your church? Some of you probably would have mistakenly said, Brother Zach. That's not the answer. Who is the head of the church? Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church always. That will never change. That will never be any different. He is always the one running the show and calling the shots. And so he, he lays that out early for us here. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And then he goes further in describing Christ's relationship to the church. He says he is the head of the church. And then he refers to the church as his body. And then he says, and is himself its savior. And so we see here The first thing that we have to recognize, brothers and sisters, is that I submit and that you submit and that we follow the leadership of Jesus Christ above anything else. And that's what we're called to do in verse 24. It says, now as the church submits to Christ, and then he explains how that works between wives and husbands, but the church is called to completely yield to the counsel and teaching and directing and admonishing of Jesus Christ. The teaching here is that you and I fully obey Jesus Christ. I had the opportunity to sit down uh, this morning, as I have many times with, with one of our young people here at the church, to talk about what it looks like and what it means to become a Christian. And this is, this is where we always start, is with lordship. What does it mean to say that Jesus is Lord? What does it mean to say that Jesus is head? And and I usually, for our students, try and use the picture of a boss. It's just one that we're familiar with and acquainted with. And whenever you have a boss, 
you understand that you're supposed to do what your boss tells you to do, right? If the boss says be here at 7 instead of 8, you try and get there at 7. If the boss says I need you to do this stack of paperwork before you go home, you do this stack of paperwork because you are under their authority. And what we're seeing here is that Christ is the authority over your life and Christ is the authority over my life. And then when we all come together as a body, as a church, we are all collectively under the authority of Christ. We should worship in the way that is fitting to what the Bible tells us worship should look like. Whenever we teach the word to one another, we should do it in a way that's fitting to what the Bible says that our teachings from one another should look like. We submit to him fully. I'm not going to beat that dead horse. I think we understand it, but that is the call here. But a question that might arise, and I don't want to skip it, is why in the world should we submit in everything to Jesus Christ? Right? And, and this is specifically a question that non-Christians or young Christians might ask. Why do I have to always do what he says? If what I want conflicts with what the Bible teaches, then why do I have to give up what I want? This is the sort of question I get at the house a lot of times. If I want to do something different than what you've said, then why do I have to listen to you? That's me talking to Amanda. Um, but, but it says what the Bible teaches and what Paul then immediately goes into and, and explains in the picture that we see in verses 25, 26, and 27 is that Christ is the head of the church, that Christ has, has, he has done everything required in order that we should be his body, that we should be his people, that we should submit to him, and that he is our Savior. He says that in verse 23. He says, Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. And in verse 25, he, he talks about how Christ gave himself up for us. And so if you're a Christian, if you've been a Christian for any period of time, then you are well acquainted with the gospel message. Right? That God made us out of nothing. And then we rebelled. And because of sin, we were separated from Him. And we were under condemnation and punishment. And we were going to go to hell forever and ever and be separated from Him forever and ever unless something happened. And that something happening was God stepping into the story. Right? Him interjecting himself. Him coming as a human being and living the perfect life that no other human being has ever lived. And him dying a perfect death where he took the punishment for our sins. Right, This is the gospel message. And he did that. But not only did he die paying the penalty for you and paying the penalty for me and all the things we've done wrong. But then he came back to life. And so he overcame sin and his death, and he overcame death, and his resurrection. And he's alive now, and because of that, because he is the only way that we can be saved, we have yielded allegiance to him. We have made him Lord of our lives, and we follow him completely. And Paul is just simply reminding us of that here. If we are part of the church, if you are a Christian, then Christ is your head. He is your authority. I think it's laid out well in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Uh, here, Paul is talking specifically about not taking part in sexual sins, but the main point holds true and is very applicable to what we're talking about here. In verses 19 and 20, 
He said, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And we could put that in the same context here. You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so submit to Christ in all things. Follow him. Do what he says. That's what we're called to do. So point one this morning is this. Christ is our head, and this is good for us. As the church, as members of the church, Christ is our head. Christ is our authority. Christ is our Lord. Whatever word helps this fit best in your mind, he is that, and that is a good thing. And it's a huge understatement whenever I say that that is a good thing. It is a great thing. It is an amazing thing. It is the best thing ever because it means that we've been saved from our sins, that we've been forgiven, reconciled to God, that we're no longer guilty, that we're no longer under condemnation, that we no longer have to fear punishment, that we've been given the Holy Spirit and all of the gifts and all the abilities and all of the benefits that come with having the Holy Spirit. It means that we've been promised life in heaven, eternal life, perfect eternal life, with God, that we're adopted into God's family, that we were dead, but we've been made alive. It means that we've been brought together and given one another as gifts, that we are conquerors over all things, and that God loves us immeasurably. I sum up all of that by saying this is good for us. So it doesn't fit well, it doesn't cover everything, but I just want you to recognize. I don't think any of us here today would argue with this. Whenever I say Christ is your head, authority, leader, ruler, and that's a good thing. I think we all agree with that. We all say, I'm thankful that Jesus is my head because he knows more than me and he's smarter than me and he's wiser than me and he's better than me. So, of course, I should follow him instead of following my own heart. I've seen how many times I've been wrong and he's never been wrong. So none of us argue with this picture that the church follows Christ in everything. Everybody's good with that? Everybody agrees? Yes? This is important. How many of y'all like puzzles? I'm putting my hand down. I was showing you how to do it. I don't like puzzles. It's just it's not something I enjoy. Uh, they're great. They're neat. They're fascinating to look at. Um, I see this, this idea of marriage, almost like a puzzle, my type of puzzle. It has two pieces. It has the role of the husband. It has the role of the wife. Great puzzle. You put it together, two pieces. But this right here, what we've just talked about, Christ as the head of the church, you know the easiest way to put together a puzzle is to keep looking at the box, right? You keep looking at the box, see what it should look like. This is what it looks like when you look at the box. You say, what should my marriage look like? And you look at the box and you see this picture of the church submitting to Christ and everything and Christ loving and leading the church and for their own good and everything. That's the picture. That's the picture of marriage. That's what Paul tells us here. So let's break this beautiful picture of Christ as our head and our authority who leads us for our good down into what you're supposed to do as a husband and what I'm supposed to do as a husband and what you're supposed to do as a wife. Ephesians 5.25, the role of the husband, summed up very concisely. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
We're going to flesh this out because Paul does, and we're not, I'm going to take too much time on the analogies because they're simple and they're understandable. Paul wrote in a way that's very easy for us to understand. But I do want to make sure that you understand this. All the things that we're just saying about how much Christ loves the church, right? That he loves us enough to leave heaven, that he loves us enough to die in our place, that he loves us, that he loves us in a way that we can't comprehend and that's immeasurable, Paul says, think about that, and then go love your wife like that. It's exactly what he says. Love your wives as in the same way that Christ loved the church. And so point two, and this is the point for husbands. Husbands, if you've been waiting for the point, wives, wake your husband up and tell them this is the point. Point two, husbands are to love their wives like Christ loves the church. That's how you sum up the role of being a husband. What does it look like to be a good husband? It looks like what Christ does for the church. How Paul explains it to us. Now, some of you say, Brother Zach, that's pretty abstract. Can you be a little bit more concrete? I can, because he does that for us. The first thing in verse 25, he explains that. He says, and gave himself up for her. And I believe that that means this, that we should love our wives sacrificially. We should be willing to give up things that we do not have to give up because we love our wives so much that we're willing to give those things up for their good. We love our wives with their best interest in mind. Not with our best interest in mind, but with their best interest in mind. That you are willing to serve your wife and not just expecting your wife to serve you and everything. That's the picture that Christ gives for us. He did not have to leave heaven. He did not have to be an atoning sacrifice. He chose to do those things because of how much he loves us. He gave up rights that he had for our good And then Paul says, do that for your wives. Give up things, give up time, give up resources, give up whatever it is in a way that allows you to love your wife and care for your wife well. In verses 26 and 27, he explains another picture of what our love for our wife should look like. He's speaking of Christ in the church here. He says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now let me be clear here. Husbands, you cannot save your wives. You cannot give salvation to your wife. You cannot do that. That's not what he's talking about here. What we see here is this idea of sanctification. It's the church word that we use for it. It means making someone more like Christ. And I believe that a husband's love for his wife should be a sanctifying love. That you should love your wife and that you should lead your wife in a way that causes her to look more like Jesus. That that the longer your wife is married to you, that she should know more of the Bible than she did when you got married. Because you're helping her. And because you're teaching her and because you're reading it with her. That your church, that, that your wife should love the church more. That your wife should love prayer more. That your wife should love worship more because of the way that you lead her as her husband. 
It's what he says here. He says that Christ loved the church in a way that sanctifies her, makes her more like Christ, that prepares us more for the day that we will be presented to him. So you should be loving your wife in a way that helps her be more like Jesus. If she follows, and I'll ask you this as a question, husbands. If your wife did everything that you wanted her to do, every single thing that you desired for your wife to do, if every prayer that you had ever prayed for your wife came true all today, would she be more like Christ than she is right now? If she did everything that you expected her to do, would she read the Word more? Would she... Submit to the discipline and the teaching of God's word more? Would she love worship more? Or would it just be a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with spirituality? I think you need to answer that question. I tell young husbands this all the time during premarital counseling. Say, if I wanted to give you a report card, if, if I wanted to check in and see what kind of husband you've been, and I come to visit you in five years or in ten years, this is what I would do. I would look at your wife and see if she's more like Christ then than she is now. And if she's not, then you're not doing your job as a husband. I don't care how happy she is in worldly things. I don't care what kind of car she drives in. I don't care if she's not more like Jesus five years from now or ten years from now than she is at this moment. Then you are not fully and completely doing your job as a husband. Our love for our wives should be sacrificial, and it should be sanctifying. There's one other picture that he gives us here that we understand, verses 28 through 30. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. I don't have to explain this one too much. Love your wife like you love yourself. And if we're being honest, if we're just being honest, we love ourselves, don't we? I'm telling you, if anybody, I've told y'all this before, if anybody looks out for what's best for Zach Kilpatrick, it's either my mama or me. Nobody outside of Jesus and my mama loves me like I love me. I'm being honest now. I can be as selfish as anybody. And my thoughts and what I want and what I desire, when I wake up on Monday or Tuesday or Saturday, somebody's waking up Saturday morning thinking about exactly what does Zach Kilpatrick want. You know who that is? That's me. And he says, love your wives like that. You know what? Wake up on Saturday morning and think, what would Amanda like to do today? What does she need today? What has she not gotten this week? What kind of conversation or outing or care or love has she not seen or felt or experienced this week that I could show her in some way today? Love your wives like you love yourself. I don't have to go into that more. You understand that. You see that. But this is the picture, the overarching picture. Love your wife like Christ loved the church. Love her sacrificially. Love her sanctifyingly. Love her like you love yourself. All right, so the other puzzle piece, I told you, is just two pieces. There's the, the role of the husband, the role of the wife. We're going to look at two verses, verse 22 and verse 33, the bookends of this. Verse 22, wives, 
Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The wife's role in marriage in these verses is summed up in two words. Submit and respect. So I want to talk about those two things. What does it look like? And it's easy for us to gloss over this, especially as a husband, I'll be honest, that it's, it's my inclination to not try and go too much into telling wives what you need to do. That seems sort of self-centered in doing that. And, and this teaching in our society seems antiquated, but I've already told you, sisters, this is God's plan. This is not my plan. And so I don't want to gloss over it. I don't want to skip it. I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to skip over it or think that we need to change something because we're in a different day and time because God's Word is still the same. And His teaching is still the same. It hasn't changed and it's not going to change. So I want you to realize that this is, this is your piece of the puzzle to display the masterpiece of God's love for us to the world. And it's that you would submit to your husband. And it's the same word whenever I told you that our role as the church is that we follow Christ's lead, that we we yield to his authority, that we follow his teachings, that we honor him in that way. That's what wives are called to do here. Whenever it says submit to your husband, you're called to carefully follow the leading and direction of your husband for your family. For your life. That's what you're supposed to do. You should be following his lead. You should be following his teaching. You shouldn't be kicking back against him. You shouldn't be trying to usurp his authority. And, and do things different than what he's told you to do. That's not the role of a wife that we see in the Bible. That's not what you're called to do. You're called to submit to his authority. You're called to respect your husband. And this is one of those words that's. It's different. It, it's, it, is a, it was originally a Greek word. And the Greek word really most of the time carries the idea of fear. Of respecting. The only example I've ever heard that really stuck with me that was good is, is that it's used. It, you could use the same word for the way that you or I see a gun. right? It doesn't matter how many times you've been hunting. It doesn't matter how comfortable you are handling a gun. If you are smart, you respect that gun. Right? Because although it can be useful and it can be helpful, it can also kill you, and you understand that. And so there's this, there's this fear. I'm not, it's not like I'm not going to touch it, or I want to get rid of it because I'm afraid of it. But it's while I'm close to it, I'm going to be very careful, because I do know what this is capable of. And it's the way that we relate to God. The same term is used for us in our relationship with God, that, that we revere Him. Right, That we respect him in a way that shows that we know his authority and we know his ability. And this is the word that's used here for wives, that, that wives should revere or honor their husbands. It's not a fear that's like terror, like run away because you're scared of it. But it is showing an honor to somebody, a respect in that way. And that's what wives are called to do for their husbands, to submit to their leadership and to honor and respect their husband as the leader of their household. I know that's, that's hard for some and easy for some. And I know this, that it doesn't work if the husband isn't doing his job. 
that it's much, much more difficult. Let me say it that way. It's much, much more difficult if the husband is selfish and self-centered and loving himself and not loving his wife and not caring for his wife. These two puzzle pieces go together to make a beautiful picture. The beautiful picture is incomplete if you don't have both pieces of it. But this means, and I do want you to see this, verse 22. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands. And then we're told, why? As to the Lord. I believe there's two meanings to that. One, you submit to them like you submit to the Lord. But also, and Paul uses this picture several times in Scripture. It's you submit to your husband not because your husband's perfect. You submit to your husband not because your husband is all-knowing and perfectly wise and because he is your Savior and because he is completely good for you in every way. That's not the teaching. The teaching is you submit to your husband because Christ is all those things and Christ has called you to submit to your husband. So you are submitting to your husband because Christ has told you to. Not because your husband is perfect, but because Christ is perfect. You see your husband as your authority... Not because you think that he's smarter than you. You see your husband as your authority because Christ said, look at your husband as your authority. That's why we do that. I, I've given you this example before. My mama used to leave me at home with my older brother. And she said, listen to what your older brother tells you to do. I didn't want to listen to my older brother. He wasn't as smart as me. He's not as good looking as me. I can just go on and on and on. But I did because if I didn't listen to my older brother, I was going to have to answer to my mama. And here you're told, submit to your husbands because you're going to answer about how you did that to the Lord. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. All right, so here's the picture when we put it all together. You have a husband who loves his wife, who thinks about what's best for her, who cares for her, who wants to do everything that he can for her, who wants to make her more like Jesus, who wants her life to be fulfilled and great and enjoyable. And so he's leading her in a way that does all these things. And so she's following right behind him. She's following his lead. She's submitting to him because whenever he tells her to do something, she knows it's going to be for her good. Even if she doesn't agree with it in the moment, she trusts him enough to know that if he told her to do something, that she needs to do it, that it will be helpful for her. It'll be good for her, and he's watching out to make sure that everything he tells her is good is actually good. It's the picture of Christ in the church. If Christ tells me to do it, I'll do it. Whether I enjoy it, whether I think it's best or not, I'm going to do it because I trust Christ that much. It's the picture that we have for marriage. I don't know if that give y'all point three, the wise role summed up. I don't think so. Point three was this. Wives are to submit to and respect their husbands. The words we give here. Submit to and respect your husband. So let me tell you this. Husbands, if you look at this example of Christ in the church and you say, I'm not doing that well, then pray and ask for help and study. There are books upon books upon books written about how to be a better husband. Study those. Study the scriptures. Read Look to other men that are doing this well. There are men in our church that are great examples of faithful husbands. Look to those men. Set up times to meet with those men. Come and tell me, Brother Zach, I want you to help me find a man that will help me be a better husband, and I will do that. We have men in this church that will meet with you and disciple you on how to be a better husband. If you want to do that, 
we can help you and we will help you in every way that we can. But don't just overlook it because this is God's will for you. This is his plan for you as a husband. Wives, same thing. If you look at this and you say, I'm not very good at this. I'm not very good at that honoring and respecting and submitting and not being the one in charge. If you find yourself there, then pray and ask for help and read the Bible and study the Bible and read books, tons of them written. Study those books. Look to women in this church that are doing well. Come and see me and I will help set you up with some of those women. We have them and they will meet with you and they will help you to walk through this process. And I pray that this goes without saying, but I do want to say it just in case. I do not believe that this biblical teaching ever puts anybody in danger. Wives, hear me on this. If if honoring and respecting and submitting to your husband means that you're going to endure abuse, any type of abuse, then I believe that's going outside of the bounds of what you're called to do here. If submitting to your husband means that you are not going to honor the Lord or that you're going to be called to do things that are unbiblical, I don't believe you should submit to your husband in those things. That if your husband's telling you to do things that Christ tells you not to do, that you should not do those things. Wives, if you find yourself in a position where your husband is not leading the way that he should, or he's endangering you in some way, then I pray that you would seek help from authorities, that you would come to us at the church, and we will help you find help. But don't continue to endure abuse because you feel like I've told you today that that's what you're supposed to do. Wives are called to submit to their husbands in all things, but only in the way that they submit to the Lord. And we submit to the Lord in following the things that he's told us to do first. If your husband's calling you to do things that are unbiblical, don't follow and do those things. If you're a husband and you're here and you're not doing your job, I pray that you would take some time now. We're going to have a time of response, and I pray that you would ask the Lord to help you to be more committed to that and to be better at that. If you're a wife, again, this is a relationship series, and we're seeing the role of husband and wife. If you're here and you're a wife, and you're not doing the things that God's called you to, maybe you're great at cooking and great at, at keeping the house in order and getting the kids where they go and doing all these things, but you're not great at submitting to and honoring and respecting your husband. Now I pray that you would take some time now and pray and ask the Lord to help you to be better at this and to be more committed to this. But I also know that there may be some of you here today, and for the first time ever, you're hearing about this, this type of love that you've never seen. Nobody's ever loved you sacrificially and sanctifyingly and like they love themselves, and you're hearing right now that Christ loves you like that. If you're hearing that for the first time, then I'm excited for you because today's a good day. Because the love of God is so deep and so amazing. It's the perfect example of a godly, loving, caring leader. If you have questions about that, I'd love to talk to you about that. What does it mean for Christ to be your groom and you to be his bride? Come and let me talk to you about that. Think about that love deeply. I'm going to invite you to stand. Brother Shane's going to come. He's going to lead us in a hymn of response. If you need to pray where you are, do that. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'd be glad to pray with you. You can pray at these altars, at the stairs down here if you'd like to do that. If you have questions, come and ask those questions. But if the Lord's 
spoke to you in some way today and you need to respond to him, take this time as we sing together to respond however he's calling you to. Thank you.